My name is Amanda Trojan and I have been attending Metro for 10 years. Um, I have my beautiful son here, Raphael, and my husband, Jonathan, who is at work right now. And the last six months um, plus have been very interesting for our family. Um, actually, they've been quite rough for our family. At about 20 weeks, I went in for my mid-anatomy scan um, because I was pregnant with our first child. When we left, um, the ultrasound tech had referred us to the hospital for a another ultrasound and fetal echo and when we followed up and went for the second ultrasound and fetal um, at 21 weeks um, we were told that uh, our son had a heart defect um, not only did he have a heart defect um, but they said that they saw extra digits on his hands and feet and other things that made them suspect that he had a genetic um, chromosomal issue it took a lot of faith um, to just even make it through that time. So I'm gonna fast forward to um, this beautiful little boy's birth. The doctor said that there were two ways, two things that could happen when he was born. Either he could come out and be crying and moving and have a zest for life, um, or he could come out and be kind of lifeless and not really have a lot of um, thriving action um, and so going into labor um, I was a little nervous a little apprehensive because you don't know what's gonna happen you don't know is your baby gonna come out and be alive or are you going to be saying goodbye at that moment and um, throughout all of this um, we had to really lean in and um, believe that God had us in the palm of his hands the entire time, which is hard um, because you go through life and you think, um, you know, I'm a good person, I'm doing everything right, um, why is this happening to us? And it's easy when you're going through those moments to say, Forget it, God, I can't trust you. I can't believe you because you're not showing up. Um, so it took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of um, really kind of letting go of myself and really going back and thinking of all the things that God had already done in our lives. Um, what he's already done for uh, me, for my husband and for our family. And uh, that gave us hope. And when Raphael came, he was a fighter, and um, we knew that God was answering our prayers. The doctors and research says that um, a lot of babies with Edwards syndrome or trisomy 18 um, are incompatible with life, that they, um, that they don't walk, they don't talk, um, they're wheelchair bound. And we know that's not true. We've seen kids and families, um, kids that are thriving, that are walking, that are talking, um, and that are doing things that are living great and very happy. Um, and that's what we believe is going to happen for Raphael. That's, that's our heart, that's our hope. As we've been here, we've been at the hospital for two months now, and it's tiring and there's machines going off and there's times where we've had some really scary moments. I mean, you hold your son and you literally see him stop breathing in your arms and you see him turn blue and, you know, the doctors and anesthesiologists are bagging him um, right in your hands, right in your arms, and it's scary and it's so overwhelming. Um, but I think about everything God has done to get us through to this point right now that even though these aren't the most perfect circumstances living in a hospital to be close to our son we know that god's working everything for his good um, because he promised it he promised it in his word and he's shown up 
throughout all of this and he's allowed us to be a blessing to other families that are on this unit and in this NICU and allowed us to show God's love to them and that these other families can trust him and, and know who he is because he really is a good father. I would say if you're going through a hard time right now, I get it, I understand. And it's so easy to blame everyone. It's easy to blame God, it's easy to blame anyone. But we have to learn how to see God in the midst of all of our troubles. We have to see him, believe him, and dig deep into who he really is and know that he is a good, good father. We have to learn how to praise him in the storms of life and know that he's gonna help us get through it. Don't give up, always fight, and let the spirit of God just rise up inside of you and fight your battle for you. But you can't give up, keep going. My name is Amanda Trojan and I am Metro. Wow, that little guy's name is Raphael and they named him that because it comes from the original Hebrew which means God is healer or God is healed. Uh, we need to be praying for that little guy and that family. We got to trust that God's going to do something big in their lives. Amen? Y'all with me on that? Uh, it is a new year, and how many people in the room want a new start? You want something new in your life. You want something different in your life. Anybody want something different in your life? Anybody at all? Uh, how about, would anybody in the room say, I need something different in my life? Anybody? Let me tell you something. There is a great learning in this. You know, you can go after a whole bunch of different. You can bring a whole bunch of different into your life. You can bring new habits and stop old habits and you can go get a different job and, a, and different friends and even a different man or a different woman in your life. You can go after a whole bunch of different in your life, but it won't change you. You realize that. It takes something more. It takes something bigger. I could go out and I could get a whole new style, a whole new wardrobe, a whole new everything in life, but it still doesn't change who I am. You realize that, right? It takes something bigger to change you. It takes a different kind of spirit. It takes a different kind of spirit at work inside of you. Uh, there is an amazing story that comes from the pages of scripture. Uh, it comes from the life of Jesus. A man named Mark records it in his book, in his gospel. And what's interesting about Mark, you may not know this, but, but Mark didn't witness too much of Jesus firsthand. He wrote his book by, by interviewing other people, by going after other people who spent time with Jesus. And he would say, hey, did this really happen? And they would say, oh yeah, that happened. And then he'd go to a different group of people and say, well, did that really happen like they said it happened? And he put all that together and he ends up writing this record called the Gospel of Mark, and, and it tells the story of Jesus. And, and there's this one story, one day, that Jesus is coming up to this great crowd of people, and he comes into this argument that's happening. And literally, you can go back and read this in Mark chapter 9, and I'm just going to kind of tell you this story. But he walks in, and there's this argument that's going on. He realizes that a whole bunch of men are arguing with a few of his disciples. Now, you know what a disciple is, right? That, that would be the closest followers of Jesus. These men followed him around all the time. They wanted to learn from him. They wanted to be like him. They, they felt that Jesus was God's son on earth. And so they were his disciples. And, and there was this argument happening between this crowd and this, uh, the, the, the disciples. And so Jesus comes up and says, hey, 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 what's going on here? What's happening? And they begin to explain to him. And at that very moment, this odd thing happens. The, the, the story records that this father comes through the crowd and he stands right in front of Jesus. And, and you could tell the man was distraught. And he begins to explain what the whole argument was about. He, he begins to say that he, he has a son and that there is something deeply wrong with his son. And you can imagine as a father how hard this would be. He literally says to Jesus that, I believe my son is demon-possessed. There's something deeply wrong with him. 
And I think it's a demon in his life, really. Um, because when he was young, he could speak, but now he can't speak anymore. Um, oftentimes this demon comes against my son and throws him to the ground and he starts foaming at the mouth and, and he starts having you know, these, these incredible uh, convulsions and these fits. And, and, and so I, I went to your disciples. I went to your followers and I figured that they were with you and they had been with you and, and everybody knows what you can do, Jesus. Everybody knows that you heal people. Uh, we've all heard the story of the blind guy me made the seed and all that kind of stuff. And so we know what you can do and I just figured, maybe I was wrong, but I just figured that your followers could do the same thing. And so I brought my son to them and they did what they could do, but it didn't help my son. And I was just hoping that maybe you could help. And Jesus says something that is, changes the game. He literally says, bring the boy to me. Now, if I was there in that moment, I'd be like going, this is where it's going to get good. Because I was here when the other guys did their deal and they were praying, they were acting all religious and all that kind of stuff. But there is nothing happening. But boy, I've heard about this guy. This is going to be good right here. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And the scripture records that this father goes and gets his son. And that makes sense, right? Because if he's your only hope, for your son, you would do anything you could to get your son to Jesus. And so he drags his son in front of Jesus and the scripture says that, and I know this sounds crazy, but when this demonic spirit in the guy's son sees Jesus, this spirit reacts to the holiness of God, to the, to the presence of God. And it says that he throws this boy into a fit and he convulses, he falls to the ground. It says that he begins to foam at the mouth. He's gnashing his teeth. Uh, he's laying on the ground and, and it's just crazy, right? And I'd be going, I told you this was gonna get good right here. This is good right here. And, and, and so uh, the, the man says, maybe you can help my son. And Jesus says, well, how long has he been doing this? He says, well, since he's been a kid. As a matter of fact, it's been terrible since he was a kid because, um, because he's often thrown into the fire. He's thrown into the water. And it's like this demon is trying to kill my son. But I'm hoping you can help. Maybe you can help. And Jesus says, maybe? If I can help? What do you mean if I can help? You, you see, Jesus says the most remarkable line next. He ends up saying, he says, do you not believe? Because with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And, and it's interesting, Jesus asked the man, do you believe this? He asked his father, do you believe this? And you know what the father's reaction was? It was probably like yours. Yeah, I, I do, I gotta believe. I gotta believe that there's hope out there somewhere. He literally says, I believe, but help me to believe. What was he saying? He was saying, oh, I believe it's possible and I want it to be different. It's got to be different. All I know, though, is that I've tried my whole life to do something for my boy and nothing helps. So I'm not really sure. But if anybody can help, it's you. And then the scripture says that Jesus stands in front of this boy and he rebukes the demon. And it says that the demon this is crazy, it shrieks, it, it, it convulses and, and it leaves the boy but it throws the boy into this violent fit and the boy lays on the ground and it says that the great crowd of people that was standing around, they thought he was dead. They thought he was dead. And it was at this moment that, that Jesus leans into the little boy and everybody's looking around going, he's dead, he's dead. This was the final straw, this, he's dead now, look. And Jesus leans over and he grabs the hand of that little guy and he lifts the kid up, back to his feet. And the scripture says that he was restored to wholeness, that he was brought back to, 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 to being a whole boy again, and the demon fled. And if I was in like that story, I'd be going, woo, I told you, I told, whoa, this is crazy, right? Well, friends, listen, I tell you this story just to read these two little verses to you. Mark chapter nine, listen to this. Mark chapter nine, verses 28 and 29. Let me just read this to you because this is really the big part of this story about how it affects me and you. Later that night, um, the guys go back. Maybe they're going out to eat. Maybe they're turning in for the night. I'm not really sure. But here's what it records. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately. They're like, we gotta know something. We don't understand something. He says, we asked, they asked him privately, why couldn't we drive out the demon? And he replied, listen to this. This kind of thing comes out only by prayer. 
listen to me, friends. There are certain things that will never, ever change in your life that will never be different in your life, no matter what kind of habit you, you start or what kind of habit you stop, because some things require more than a different habit. They require a different spirit. Anybody? They require more than a starting of something new or buying of something new, getting something new. It requires something more to change you. You need more than a new resolution. You need a different spirit and I need a different spirit inside of me. This kind of thing, Jesus says, can only happen when and how? Through what? Prayer. It's deeply spiritual. What you want to happen will never happen if you continue to do the same thing you've always done. Nothing will change. And it does not matter the amount of new things you bring into your life, new starts you start in your life. Because it requires something more. It requires a new you. And a new you requires a different kind of spirit inside of you. You see, friends, listen. All of the madness in the world, all of it, it is a spiritual battle. Do you realize this? Every fight that you have in your own soul and every fight in our world is a spiritual battle. And you can look at all of the war and all of the disease and all of the poverty. You can look at all the addiction, all the drugs and and alcohol and pornography. And you can look at all of the crazy sexual abuse that's going on in our world. And and you can look at all the depression and all the anxiety. Let me tell you something, friends. It is a spiritual problem. And all the government in the world will not fix it. All of the education in the world will not fix it. All of the money in the world will not fix it. It is a spiritual condition that requires the spirit of God to do something different inside of you and inside of our world. It takes a radical thing. It it hinges on your relationship with God, my friends. Let me tell you something. This is just for me. I want the blessing of God in my life. I want it. I want God's hand to go in front of me and around me. I want God's hand to lift me. Do you want this for your life? Do you want it, friends? How about me? You want it? Friends, do you realize that you cannot have my blessing? You cannot have the power of God that God gives me. And I cannot have the blessing that God gives you. It is personal. It is between you and God. It is a result of your relationship with God. You have to want it. And you have to go for it. You have to seek a different spirit in your life, a different you in your life. And so I think it would be appropriate maybe that we would do something to start our year together. And we've done this before. We do this every once in a while, but I'm going to ask that everybody at both of our campuses that, that we would just get out of our seats and that we would go to our knees, if it's possible for you, that we would just go to our knees together. We're going to start by praying together on our knees. So come on, everybody, everybody. I know this is weird for some of you because you're not like a church person and you're like, hey, I left this when I was a kid. This is exactly why I don't go to church. Just bear it for a minute, okay? Because listen, friends, everybody look at me just for a second. At both of our campuses, listen to me. The reason we bend our knee right now is to be humble before God. It is to show God, it is to tell God that he is king and that we are not that he is in control and that we are not, that we need his grace, we need his help in our life, that we are petitioning the hand of God. That's why we bend our knee before him right now. So let me just, on your behalf, on our behalf, let me just lead us to prayer. So Father in heaven, over the next few moments, I pray that your spirit would speak in a different kind of a way, a new kind of a way. I need something different. I want something different. I want more of you in my life, God. I need more of you in my life. So Father in heaven, I pray that your spirit would speak into this room, every man, every woman, every child in this place. Help us to be open, to hear from you. Speak, oh God. Speak, oh God, for your child is listening. And at both campuses we say, amen. 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 So you ready? Come on, y'all ready? Who's ready for different in the room? Anybody? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, are you ready? 
All right, so here's where we're going to begin. We are going to journey through an Old Testament book in the Bible. It's called the Book of Numbers. So if you have a Bible, uh, it's near the beginning of the book. If you have a smartphone, I'm going to beg you to open it up for yourself. Just Google Numbers chapter 14. We're going to bounce between Numbers 14 and Numbers 13 today. So find Numbers chapter 14, and we are going to kind of begin there. Listen, maybe you've heard of this before. Uh, this is a common saying, but uh, I think it is really, really true. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing thing over and over, year after year, but expecting different results. <laughs> that is insane, right? Am I right? Y'all with me? Come on, y'all with me? So uh, we need, if we want something different, we just not only have to go uh, for something different, but we have to be something different. We need a different spirit. So let me give you a little backstory to what's happening in Numbers 14. Um, At this point in history, the people of Israel are in bondage in the land of Egypt. They are slaves in the land of Egypt. Historians tell us that there are roughly 2 million Jewish people enslaved in the land of Egypt. And they they are enslaved for 400 years at this point. So this is a lot of people for a whole long time. A lot of people for a very, very long time. And at this point, we're introduced to this deliverer. Maybe you remember his name. His name is? Come on, his name is? Moses. His name is Moses. And Moses is 80 years old when he is called to be the deliverer of the people of Israel. And if you remember some of the story, uh, there is this Pharaoh over the land of Egypt. He's the king, and he is holding a brutal dictatorship over the people of Israel. And Moses goes to him and says, let my people go and he brings these plagues. Maybe you remember this. He brings a plague of blood. He brings the plague of frogs. He, he, brings the, uh, he brings the plague of locusts and that would be enough for me to obey immediately, right? Uh, but eventually this Pharaoh bows to Moses and to the hand of God and lets his people go. But we need to pause real quick. Moses, did you catch this? Was 80 years old. What the hot hay? He's 80 years old. I mean, I'm thinking by 80 years old, I'm playing golf. I'm like retiring on the beach somewhere. And he is just getting started. 80 years old. Friends, that just makes me think that there are a whole bunch of people in this room who think I can't be used by God. I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too poor. I'm too uneducated. I'm too, I've done so many terrible things that, 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 that God could never use me. Do you know who I am? Do you know how broken I am? Do you know how messed up I am? Do you know what I have done? Yeah. God says, yeah, 80 years old, get started. It is never too late to be used by God. Never. Let me tell you something, friends. You can be used by God until you're dead. Until you stop breathing. And so friends, listen, if God begins to stir, God begins to call something in you, could I just humbly, humbly say, change, grow, obey him, take your next step, move toward him. Let him use you. You will never regret it. So he's 80 years old and, uh, and, and, and he, now the people of Israel are released to this place called the promised land. Have you heard of this? The promised land. And what's interesting is what's the promised land? The promised land was, was literally just outside of the kingdom of, of Egypt where we now call present day Israel. This becomes the promised land. And the promised land is a place where the people could be free, where the people could, could have their own homes and raise their own crops and raise their own animals, and have a family without the threat of abuse. Uh, the, the promised land was this place where they could worship God, and where God could be their king, where they could, where they could live in peace, where God would help them to form a nation, one people. And so this becomes the promised land. And, and for those of you who may not be overly familiar with the Bible, all the way through the Bible, this word promised land is repeated. It's this notion, it's this concept, it's all the way through the scripture. And it becomes like a metaphor, becomes like a picture to your promised land. Because you realize there's bondage in every single one of our lives. You you do know this, right? Look at me for a second. You do know you struggle with slavery inside of your own heart. 
Inside of your own life, there are these things that, that hold us and, and drag us down and that keep pulling us into the pit. And God says, if you move toward me, I will bring you freedom. I will bring you to a promised land, a different kind of life. If you let me, if you follow me. And so this promised land is this promise from God that it could be different for all of us. And so, and so we, we see that this is where the story gets really, really interesting. Without going into all the details, the people leave Egypt and roughly two years later, they're standing on the edge of the promised land. They're like looking at home. They're like, wow, that's my ranch. I, I'm, I'm, that's, that's where we're going. They can see the edge of the promised land. But do you realize that it was really only about a two-week journey from Egypt by foot to where the promised land was? Two weeks. But it took them two years to get there. And that was just the start of their journey. You, you know, and we could go, oh, it's kind of stupid. They get lost when they use GPS. Let me tell you something, friends. What often we should learn in two weeks, come on, in this very room, it's taken us two years to learn. Some of you all working on 20 years. Some of you all working on 40 years. And God's been trying to teach you the same stupid thing. You see, because listen, sometimes before we get to the promised land, God has to do a deep work inside of our hearts. We got to be ready to receive what he has for us. And God will prep us for that in the wilderness. And so the people are looking at this whole deal. And you have to know that there are 12 tribes in the land of Israel, in the nation of Israel. You, you can think of it like a state. Like there's 12 states that make up the nation called Israel. Each were called a tribe. And uh, what's interesting is they get to the promised land and Moses looks to all of the leaders of these 12 tribes and says, pick for us one spy from every people group, every tribe. We're going to pick one spy and we're going to send them into the land to scout the land. So how many tribes are there? 12. How many spies are there? 12. He says, we're going to send the 12 spies in and they're going to look for 40 days. They're going to search the land and they're going to see if it is the land that God has promised to us. Is it really as good as God has told us it is? So they send the spies out for 40 days. Now what's interesting is this number 40 days. Now I'm not crazy with this stuff, but I do find it very, very interesting. This 40 seems to be like a number of testing in the scripture. It just does. I mean, for example, like real quick, like, you know, if, if you're a woman and you get pregnant, you are pregnant for 40 weeks, not nine months, not 10 months. You're, you're pregnant for 40 weeks and then you have a baby. Uh, do you know that a human brain wave is detected on day 40? Day 40. This 40 is, is significant. Do you, do you realize that Moses had three sections of 40 in his life? 40 years, his first 40 years, he was, he was this prince in the land of Egypt. And then the next 40 years of his life, he was a shepherd in the desert region on the backside of a mountain. And then the last 40 years of his life, he was the deliverer of the people of Israel in the wilderness lands just outside of the promised land. Uh, do, do you know like David and Goliath, they trash-talked for 40 days before David had enough and went out and killed Goliath. Do you know that Jesus was tempted and fasted and prayed in the desert for how long? 40 days and 40 nights. I just want you to remember that. I just want you to remember that. And so these 12 spies, they go into the land for 40 days. And Moses says, bring back proof for the 2 million people to see that this is what God has promised to them. And friends, guess what happened? They go... They go and they, they see it. It's true. Like they're all going, it is amazing. The promised land is incredible. It is like a land of milk and honey and free Taco Bell for everybody. It is incredible. Uh, it is just like God says. But 10 of the 12, 10 of the 12 come back and say, we can't take it though. We can't do it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. We will never take what God has promised us. Except for two said that. Only two. Let me tell you something, friends. Um, if we want something different than, than slavery in our life and wandering in our life, then we have to go get something different. We have to believe something different. We have to become something different. Only two believed in something different. You probably know their names. Joshua and Caleb. 
Their names are written down and recorded for us because they had a different spirit, it says. It says that everybody else came back afraid, but they were filled with God's presence. They, they trusted God in, in a different sort of way. It said their spirit was different. Listen to this. Chapter 14, verse 24. You find it on, on the scriptures there. It says this. But because my servant Caleb has a what? Say it with me. Different spirit. No, no, no. Say it with me. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me how? Wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Listen, friends, if you want to walk into your promised land, and by the way, your promised land is anything that you want to be different in your soul, that you want to be different in your life. If you want to walk into the promised land, then it requires a different spirit from you. It requires something deep inside of you. You, you, there's the, the funny thing is, is that a lot of people come into a place like this. This is church for crying out loud. And I see it every week. You come in and you go, oh, life is so hard. Life is so defeating. Life sucks. Life is breaking me down. Let me tell you something, friends. You want to be different? Then it requires a different you. It requires a different spirit inside of you. People come, oh, I'm, I'm never going to get ahead. I'm never going to lose this weight. <laughs> I'm never going to save any money. I'm never even going to have a date. Come on. If you want to be different, then guess what? You have to be different. My marriage is never going to get fixed. My friendships are never going to get fixed. My kids are crazy. If you want something different, you have to be different. It requires a different spirit. Amen? Is anybody listening to me? Anybody? It requires a different spirit spirit about us. And friends, I'm going to ask you to write down three things. As we walk through this passage, there's three things that are going to reoccur over and over and over. And you need to write these down. You need to take a picture of these. You need to put them on a card, put them on your office door, whatever it takes for you to remember these things, because this is what it takes to have a different sort of spirit. The first thing I want you to write down is the idea of trust God. Very simply put, trust God. Take a picture of that. Write that down because, listen, God says that I am with you. If you call on me, if you pray to me, if you reach toward me, I will meet with you. I will give you more than you can imagine. I will deliver beyond your wildest dreams. God says, I can do in your life what you cannot do for yourself. He promises that I am with you now and forever. My presence always goes with you. And yet, listen to me, friends, and yet people in this room, you feel like God is far away from you all the time. You say you believe. You say you acknowledge his presence, but you do not live in his presence. I'm alone. I'm afraid. I can't take next steps. That's ridiculous. Trust God. Trust him. He is with you and he requires you to acknowledge his presence. Live like you are in his presence. Trust him. Amen? And here's the second thing. Write this down. You want to write this down, friends. Number two is remember God. Remember the evidences of God. Remember that God has been good to you. We forget just how faithful and how good God is. I remember when Lynette and I were first married, uh, we tried and tried and tried for years uh, to have kids. We spent a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of resources. We were out at the doctors all the time, um, but we just couldn't have kids. And the end of it, the doctors and everybody around said, maybe, maybe you're just not made for this. Maybe it's just not going to happen and you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, but I remember um, praying like crazy, me and my wife. And we just knew, and for us, I mean, we just knew we had it in our soul, we had it in our heart. We just felt that God had told us again and again that, that one day we would be parents. And then, crazy, out of the blue, um, we had four miracles. Not, not one, listen, not two, not three, but four. And all four of them were crazy miracles. I could literally tell you how crazy it was, you see, because, um, and I'm just going to tell you about the last one. I'm going to tell you about my little guy, Isaac. He's my, my fourth child, my number three son. Uh, he's my number one, number three son. He's amazing. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, he is a, a miracle from God. Because listen, um, when we were trying to have a baby forever, um, eventually Lynette gets pregnant with Zachary, our first child. And we were delighted. I mean, we were just so full of joy. And uh, it was crazy good. And I remember the doctor saying, well, you know, because you have one, the statistical odds are it'll be easy for you now to have number two, three, and four. How many kids you want? It's like opening the womb or something, you know? And I'm like, all right, sweet, you know? But it didn't happen like that for us. We tried and tried and tried, and nothing happened. So we had baby number one, but we wanted baby number two. And so eventually we, we adopted uh, two little 
Rugrats and brought them into our home, uh, our, our number two and our number three. And, and we were delighted and we were, we were perfectly content with our family. We were completely satisfied with, with the three children that God had given to us. We thought things were perfect, but without trying, without praying about it, without caring about it, all of a sudden, like, like years and years and years and years of purposeful trying and all of a sudden with no concern at all, Lynette comes up pregnant with baby number four. And we named him Isaac. I want to tell you why we named him Isaac. It because, it's because it comes from the Hebrew word um, that literally means God makes me laugh. God makes me laugh. And it's not because God's a joke. No, 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 no. It's because every time I look at that little guy, I'm reminded how good and how great God is. And honestly, it just makes me smile. And it makes me full of joy. And it makes me laugh out loud that God remembers us, that God has not forgotten us. Let me tell you something, friends. You trust God, and you remember that God is good to you. And here is the third thing, friends. We need to learn this, that we need to hold on tight to God. I mean, really hold on tight, because anytime in your life you want to move forward, I'm going to tell you right now, it is going to be rough. It is going to be dangerous. It is going to be hard and everything in you is going to want to slide backwards and you're going to say, it's just not worth it. Let me tell you something, friends. When you want to go forward, you better hold on tight to God. Amen? I remember a lot of years ago when I was a youth pastor, uh, we took this mission trip to Pennsylvania and it took about 25, 30 kids. And uh, we, we took this little trip, a little side trip. So working in the mountains all day long on these people's houses, it was incredible. And we said, we're going to go whitewater rafting. And like, you know, it's just me. I'm like, we're going to go big or go home. We're going to go do this big. And so we sign up for one of these whitewater rafting trips. We're from Taylor. None of these kids had ever whitewater rafted in their life. I've never whitewater rafted. And so I'm like, hey, you got a one, you got a two, you got a three level, you got a four level, and you got a five level. I'm thinking we should be somewhere between four and five, right? And so all these kids, I'm like, let's do it. And they're like, huh? And I'm like, let's do it. And they're like, okay, we're in. And so we'd sign up, we pay all the money. And I remember we are sitting like along the river on these little benches. And this one guy who it was just like this pot smoking, hippie, long haired kind of a guy who had, he was very rough. Let's just put it that way. But he comes in and he starts to like for 20 minutes, he's like, you have signed up and he's like wild. He's like, you have signed up for not a level one. You have signed up for a level four to five. That means you might die out there. And I'm like going, I'm just a youth pastor. I'm not their parents. We got to go. He's like, you're going to die unless you listen to my instructions. And he goes on. He talks about all the ways we're going to die. And I'm like, this cannot possibly be good. And he's like, we're going to give you helmets. And we're going to give you all. And he's going on and on. And finally, he says, when, not if, but when you fall out of that boat. I'm like, when? He goes, when you fall out of that boat. Don't worry, we got you covered. We have, now listen, this is his language, not mine, we should revere God's name, but he says, we have an oh my God rope. I'm like, what? He goes, because you're gonna be crying out to God to save your life. I'm thinking, what? He goes, there is this rope that is tied around the raft. And it's like solid. He says, when you fall out, I don't care what you do, but that river, when we hit the number five, you better be holding onto that rope or you're going to die. And if you hold onto that rope, I promise you one of my boys is going to pull you back in that raft. I'm thinking, thank you very much. Where's my helmet? Right? I mean, this is crazy. Let me tell you something, friends. You decide to move forward in your life. It will get rough. And you will be reaching for the rope. You better be holding tight onto God. You better, you better trust. You better remember. And you better hold on tight for the ride. So let's walk through this a little bit. Amen? Let's walk through this a little bit. Um, 
verse, we're going to go back to chapter 13. I want to walk through this. Uh, chapter 13, verse 26, it says, the 12 spies went out and they came back and they reported to them and to the whole assembly, to Moses and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. They're saying, it's amazing. It's crazy good. We can grow our crops. We can have animals. We can have our land, our, our farms. It'll be an incredible place to call home. But 10 of the 12 took over the conversation. Look what happens next. They're in this great assembly. Moses is there. Everybody's there. And then it says this. The 10 started to say, but the people who live there are powerful and their cities are fortified and they're very large. We even saw descendants of Anak and the Amicalites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Ohioans. What? <laughs> I made up that part. Um, in other words, it can't be done. No way. We, we, we shouldn't even try. Yeah, it's exactly what God said, but we shouldn't even try to try. Uh, we, we need to run now while we have a chance. Let me say, tell you something, friends. Uh, there will always be negative and pessimistic people in your life. There will always be somebody saying, you can't. Why even try? If you do that, you're going to break your back. You do that, you're going to go broke. You, you try that, you're going to fail. You try that, you're going to be miserable. You can't give because you don't have enough money to give. You can't serve because you don't have enough time to serve. You can't do anything good because you're not trained to do anything good. It is ridiculous, friends. Let me tell you something about negative people. They do not know God like I know God. Because God is a way maker. God is a way maker. That's what he does. But then there are those other people that you meet that seem to be blessed. Every time you turn around, they're like, wow, they're rocking it. It just seems to go good for them. You ever know those people? Like you look at them and you go, I don't even understand it, but everything just seems to go good for them. I hate those people, right? You, you, just, you hate those people, right? You're like going, well, they don't look any smarter than me. But they're so, and I know this is a churchy word, but they're so blessed. Like, and you go, they're not taller than me. They're not more educated than me. They're, they're, not, they're not better looking than me. They're no more skilled than I am. But there is something that's different about them. Let me tell you what that is. That's God. That's the blessing of God. That's the anointing of God. That is the calling of God. That's somebody who said yes to God. That is somebody who's yielded to God. That is somebody who's moving forward in their, in their walk with God. Um, matter of fact, did you know that the earliest uh, uh, followers of Jesus called the disciples, uh, they were arrested one time and the people who did the arresting said this to them. They said, they're looking at this great crowd of people and all these disciples that got arrested and they look at them and they say, well, it's obvious you are uneducated and simple men. In other words, translation, y'all are stupid. Y'all look like a bunch of dummies. But you know what this bunch of dummies did? They changed the entire world. They caused the fall of Rome when armies could not. <laughs> oh yeah. You know why? Because they were committed with a different spirit. With a different spirit inside of them. And it is unlimited what God can do in you when you have a different spirit. And so it says this in verse 30. Then Caleb spoke up and he silenced the crowd. So all these people are going, no, we can't do it. Caleb speaks up before Moses and says, we should go up and take possession of the land and we certainly can do it. Now in your life, friends, every once in a while, you have a few people, possibly people like me, telling you to go for it. You do have these people who push you along. You come into a place like this. And let me tell you what happens. Sometimes you feel like the preacher's beating you down. You feel like somehow I'm not going to be good enough or you feel like somehow uh, God is against you because maybe even because of the preacher. Let me tell you something. If you come into here, sometimes you feel like that way. I never want you to feel that way. My hope is the reason we do what we do is to lift you up, is to tell you that you can trust God more and that he can do more than you could ever imagine with your life. And there's truth that needs to be heard. And there's change that needs to come in our life. And sometimes it's hard to hear that. But friends, we have these positive people like Caleb who come along and go, are you crazy? It's exactly what God said. Let's go. But the men, but the men who had gone up with him, the other 10, said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. They, they, uh, and then they spread rumors among the Israelites about a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we, we explored devours all of those living in it. <laughs> all the people we saw there are of great size. We seem like grasshoppers in their eyes, and we looked the same to them. You see, friends, there are naysayers everywhere. Everywhere. People say, you can't do church with two campuses. That don't make sense. 
You can't have church on video. That, make, that makes no sense. You can't get people to pay for places like this. Friends, there are naysayers everywhere. Am I right? You have them in your life and I have them in my life. But God says, forward, forward, go, go, go. Listen to this. They go on, these guys. Uh, chapter 14, uh, skip over to verse two. It says, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Pause for a second. Are you kidding me? I mean, you all grumble against your pastor all the time, but you should not grumble against Moses. I mean, he was the guy who stood up to the Pharaoh and threw the snake on the ground, or the stick on the ground, it becomes a snake. He's the guy who smacks the water and it becomes blood. I'm thinking you should not oppose this guy. But they did. And listen to what they say. This is crazy. It says, <laughs> it says um, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died back in Egypt or in the wilderness. Yeah, that would have been just great. What? What? It says, why is the Lord bringing us to the land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us just to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Friends, less than two years after leaving slavery in Egypt, they're standing at the edge of the promised land after 400 years in bondage. And now they're at the edge and they, and they see it for themselves. And they're saying, hey, that doesn't look so good. Let's go back. It was better as a slave. Really? Really? Oh, it was way better in bondage when the Egyptians could come and take our women anytime they wanted. Really? That was better. And let me tell you something, friends. In your own life, right now, you want to move forward. You know exactly what God is speaking into your life. And there's a, there's, there's a call. There's a movement in your soul. There's stirring in your spirit. And you know you're supposed to go. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, no, no. I like drugs better. I like my addiction better. Really? I think pornography has done a whole lot of good for me. Really? I like my anger and my depression and my anxiety and my fear. I like my broken family. Really? It was better back there? Oh yeah, way better. No, friends. You see, there is often this voice inside of us. When we want to go forward, there is this voice that's pushing you backwards. When you want to go up, there is this other voice that's pushing you down. The Bible calls him the enemy of God. And he comes and he whispers in you. When you say, let's go, he says, no. When you say, it's time to move, he says, no, 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 slow it down. He's trying to convince you that it is better where you have been than where God is wanting you to go. And let me tell you something, friends. Look at me real quick. Look at me at both campuses. Look at me. I'm telling you, friends. God will not take you away from something into a worse place. It might be hard on the journey going there, but he is going to end up better. It is always better with God. Always better with him. Always, friends. There is zero risk. There is zero risk when you obey the voice of God. I mean, it might be hard. It might cost you everything in this world, but it is not a risk at all because it is better with God than without God. Friends, we got to somehow figure out how to get more of God into our life because listen, more of God in your life is way better than more of you in your life. Way better. Listen to what it says next. Uh, it says it requires a different spirit. This man named Joshua and Caleb, they go in and Joshua is speaking now. Listen to this, verse seven. Skip down to verse seven. It says, Joshua said to the entire uh, Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Don't you see that? That God is good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Woo! Listen, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. A different you requires a different spirit. God is saying, trust me, I am blessing you. A different you requires a different spirit. Listen, when, when you come to church, and, and it is my job to help push you, but it is your job to go. It is your job to go. A different you requires a different spirit, friends. I don't know. It was better back in Egypt. Are you kidding? Trust God. Remember God. And hold on tight. 
I don't know if you know the end of the story, but um, the naysayers won out. This is going to blow your mind. The naysayers won. And they turned away from the promised land. And God said, because of your disobedience, you will all die in the wilderness. Do you know how many made it into the promised land of the original group that went? You know how many? Two. Guess who they were? Anybody? Caleb and Joshua. Let me tell you something. Not even Moses. Not even Moses. Because he doubted God. They wandered for 40 years. You know why it was 40 years? Listen to me, friends. You know why it was 40 years? <laughs> it was one year for every day they spent in the promised land spying it out. And they did not believe God's goodness. It was one year for every day of rebellion against God. Friends, God is calling you to more, to better, but it requires a different you. It requires a different spirit inside of you. You know, some say, well, you know, I come to church and you're my pastor and I love this place. You come to church, but you're not the church. I'm sorry. So many, even in this room, you come and you just spectate. You sit idly by and you're not building the church that God is calling us to build. You come here expecting to get something, but you give little. I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your heart, your soul, your time, your life. If we want more of God, then we need to give God more of us. It just needs to happen. We can't expect God to do for us when we won't even move toward him. We can't be like that. A different you requires a different spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, help me um, to be who you want me to be. Help me to trust you completely. Help me to obey you completely. Help me to be willing to, to follow your lead no matter where you call. And Father, forgive me that um, so many times I doubt and I struggle and I turn from you. God, I pray that your spirit would speak into this room right now. Every single man, woman, and child. Uh, help us, God, to hear from you. Help us to sense what you want us to, to know. Uh, God, help us to hear what you're, what you're trying to speak into our life. And God, give us the strength and the wisdom to follow you. Give us the obedience to come after you. God, whatever the enemy is saying to us and trying to hold us back and hold us down, help us to fight against it. Help us to trust you to move into the promised land. Anybody in the room, just like maybe you want to just raise your hand right now and you just want to say, God, I just, I need you. I need more of you and I want to move into the promised land. I'm tired of just dancing around, playing around. I'm tired of just not living full on for you. This year, 2018, I want it to be better. I want it to be different. Anybody in the room, just slip your hands up. I want to pray for you. Hands up all over the place. Listen to this. I just want to pray for you. Keep your hands up. Let me just pray for you. God, I pray for each one who is responding to your spirit now, God. We are not perfect, God. We never get it perfectly right. But God, help us to desire more from you and more of you. God, help us to run after you. God, with those who have their hands lifted right now, I pray your spirit would fall on them. Create something new in their life, God, this year. Jesus, I pray for your grace over all of us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so kind to us. Help us to remember you. In Jesus' name, together we say, amen.